Hello, lovers, and welcome to Nutrition Nuptials Podcast, where we help couples go from a me to a we when it comes to their healthy living habits. Few announcements before we get into today's show. First and foremost, this particular episode was actually recorded back in January of this year. And while Taco shares an impressive list of places he's been on the episode, he's been to even more places since this episode was recorded. And he's pretty much been on the road since... June, I think, was when you finally took a little break. Yeah. The summer was, uh, things kind of slowed down a little bit. Yeah. So we'll share a little bit at the end of the episode where else Taco has been, but he's definitely been a serious traveling taco this year. Traveling taco. The traveling taco. I feel like that needs to be some kind of a, <laughs> like, um, or gif. A gif? A gif? Gif. I think it's gif. Gif. Okay, so... G-I-F is GIF. It's GIF. Okay. Okay, so for our listeners out there, number one, can you confirm if it's GIF or GIF? I believe it's GIF. And number two, if you are talented and artistic and want to make a traveling taco GIF, you can send it our way to podcast at nutritionnuptials.com. Or a GIF. We'll take that too. When I think of GIF, I think of like the peanut butter. Okay. Continue. Well, today we're going to be talking a lot about eating while traveling, but if you're not traveling for work with a set mealtime agenda and you might need some help at home with your meal planning and prepping, then let someone else do it for you. Over on my website, nutritionnuptials.com, you have access to monthly meal plans, including anti-inflammatory, plant-based, a 28-day refresh, and soon to be incorporating Wild Tree meal prep kits. Everyone has access to a free trial plan over at nutritionnuptials.com by clicking on the meal plans tab to get started, or you can check out the show notes for today's show and grab the link. And if you are a Patreon supporter at the $10 level, you actually get your first month meal plan for free. Yay! Taco wants you to be. <laughs> Taco wants you to get that free Hook meal that plan. that shit up. <laughs> well, while we don't take ourselves that seriously here at Nutrition Nuptials, we do actually take our health very seriously. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if that were the case. And heart health is especially important when it comes to keeping the love going. That's why I am super excited to be teaming up with Cardio Tabs to share their awesome product line of supplements, including omega three tablets, multivitamins, and and whey protein. The Cardio Tab supplements were developed by cardiologists and nutritionists to help provide you with the right nutrients and support for your heart and vascular health. So as a dietitian, I am definitely a food first person when it comes to getting our nutrients. But let's face it, sometimes we just need a little help. So for example, Taco and I eat seafood, what? A lot. <laughs> Four or five times a week? Probably. I mean, at least three to four, sure. Yeah. So we eat a lot of seafood. Now, I recognize that not everyone eats as much seafood or likes seafood. Or has access to it. Or has access do. to it. Exactly. So we know that seafood has a lot of really great heart health benefits, including the omega-3 fatty acids. And we want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to get that same level of health for themselves. So some examples of options that cardio tabs have is their omega threes, which is a really, really great option. Their lemon minis taste really great. If you've ever tried a fish supplement before, sometimes they can have a kind of funky fish taste to them. Ew. Yeah, a little funky. So the lemons have a really, really great taste to them. And apparently some people get, they call them fish burps when they take a supplement. Ew. Yeah, that's a thing. Ew. Yeah, so don't offend your significant other with fishy burps. But if they're their significant other and they love you, they will love you fishy burps and all. But have the lemon ones instead. Have the lemon ones instead and limit the fishy burps. Another thing that they make that's really awesome is their whey 
protein powder. So I've always found whey protein that always have this really funk aftertaste to it. So I've never really been a big fan of it, but I've tried both their chocolate and vanilla and it's pretty awesome. It's pretty tasty. I even gave it to Taco last weekend. He did a warrior challenge. Yeah. So warrior taco. I think he gave it to me more than once, right? A few times that week as I was preparing for the warrior challenge, I think I had it, right? Yeah, I gave it to as part of your post-workout regimen. So it has high protein as well as adding in the extra carbohydrates from the powder itself with the milk. Even to give an extra little squirt of Hershey's syrup into it because got to add that extra carbs in. Carbs and protein are what we need to help us with recovery. And I gave Taco a little Mandy concoction to help him recover from his training as well as the actual day of challenge. Yep. It tasted pretty good. I got to say, like, I'm a chocolate milk purist. That's basically my recovery drink throughout. But this was not, I don't do the whey proteins or anything like that. And the taste is certainly one of the reasons why. But the other one is just because I don't feel like I need it. But it was a really great substitute. I enjoyed it. It was tasty. Yeah. So for something like the Warrior Challenge where you were working really hard, I mean, those muscles were working full time that entire challenge. You did some minutes or so. Under 50 minutes for it. You definitely needed a little extra something to help with the muscle yeah. recovery. And I haven't heard you complaining no. since. Well, challenge. I mean, I was sore the next day, but I could move. <laughs> I mean, I was sore in places where I didn't think I, my core was sore. And I know that I was using it the entire time during the entire event, but it wasn't like we were doing sit-ups or something like that. Right. So if you are looking for some options to help out, whether it's from a health standpoint or with your workout recovery, head on over to cardiotabs.com and you'll get 20% off plus free shipping from your first order. And if you decide to sign up for auto delivery, you will get an extra 10% off all auto delivery orders when you use the code Mandy Enright RD. And I'll include a link to this in the show notes as well. Well, now it's time to find out where in the world is Taco? Is that a new jingle? Do I get a new jingle now? You don't get a new jingle. That was the Mandy original That's then. That's just Mandy singing. Wow. All right. This show is stepping up its game. All right. Let's head in and let's talk about where you've been. It's the Nutrition Nuptials Podcast with Taco and Mandy, where we're helping couples learn how to live their happily, healthfully ever after. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Nuptials podcast where we help couples learn to live their happily, healthfully ever after. Whether you're newly wed, newly engaged, or newly single, everyone can benefit from some good health habits when it comes to your nutrition, fitness, and overall wellness. I'm your host, Mandy Enright, a registered dietitian who hates diets. But I do love my co-host, my partner in crime, not just on this podcast, but in life, my hubby, the one, the only, Taco. Taco's in the house. What's up? Hey, babe, what's going on? Nothing. Let's get this thing going. All right. So most people tend to know us as hashtag Adventures of Taco and Mandy. Shameless plug, follow on Instagram. But lately, it's really been all about Taco's travel adventures. Yep. 2017 was a pretty crazy travel year for you. Yeah, I went to six different continents and probably visited about eight different countries. So yeah, it was quite an adventure. So where in the world has Taco been? Oh, man. All right. So in 2017, I visited South Africa, Argentina, the United Kingdom. I have to do these in another order. Otherwise, I forget. Brazil, Australia, China, and Russia. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I think that covers it. Wow. So that's six out of the seven continents right there. Yeah. So you were a little bit... And this was not spread out over a year. 
<laughs> no, a lot of that was basically from the end of August through, I would say, the week of right before Thanksgiving. All right. So, babe, inquiring minds want to know, are you a spy? <laughs> well, if I was or if I am, you can guarantee that I wouldn't say so. So I guess you're just going to have to keep wondering. Or maybe you would say so, so you can throw people off. Either way, you can be rest assured that I would throw you off one way or the other by either admitting that I was or admitting that I wasn't. So I don't know that you're ever going to get a straight answer on that one. All right. I'm going to start looking through your stuff to, for your spy gear. You haven't looked for it yet? Nah, it's not that important. <laughs> when strange things start happening, like true lies and like weird people start showing up at the house, then I'll be more keen. Oh, by the way, for Christmas, I got you a gun. <laughs> yeah, that's that's see hints like that. All right. So of all these places that you've been overall, what would you say was your favorite place? My favorite place? I would say South Africa was definitely one of my favorites. And Australia was pretty cool, too. So those two, I would say 1A, 1B, South Africa, Australia. So on the flip side, what was your least favorite? <laughs> I hope that I don't have to or don't at least plan on going to Moscow anytime soon or Russia. It's the only place everywhere else you were at. I'd wake up in the morning. I'd get good morning text message. Sometimes I'd get a picture of the view of your hotel or the office view or whatever you were doing. Your Russia trip is the only time I woke up and got the text message that says, I want to come home now. <laughs> and this yeah. was like day two. Well, as I like to say, the, the weather, it was cold and gray. And that's not just the weather. Sounds enticing. Yeah. So, you know, when the adventures of Taco and Mandy take off again, we won't be headed to Russia. But the pictures looked really cool. Oh, uh, you know, there were some nice sights there. And you know, I'm going to take pictures of cool stuff when I see it. But like, you know, other than the cool things you saw pictures of on Instagram, uh, there wasn't much to write home about. All right. So let's talk about the good stuff, the food and the beverages. So what place had the best food? I'm going to give it to South Africa. They, you know, because of their location, and their history, their legacy, they have the French influence. So they have a lot of good food there. And also, you know, they have the seafood and they have, the, I had ostrich while I was in South Africa. So if you like filet mignon, you might like ostrich because it's a very lean meat, but a lot of good, you know, flavor, uh, like a red meat sort of thing. And they also had some pretty decent wine as well. The wines, you know, not that every wine was perfect. Actually, in terms of wine, I would say Argentina was the best. In Argentina, I didn't have a single glass of wine that I didn't think was amazing. Every glass I had, every bottle I had was better than the one I had before. So Argentina takes it for wine. But food, I'll give it to South Africa. So out of all these, what would you say was the best meal that you had? Okay, so I'm going to throw in a, a wild card here. In Brazil... I was at a steakhouse. Now, it wasn't a Brazilian steakhouse. It was like a steakhouse like we think of here in the, in the States. I actually had an Argentinian steak and Argentinian wine served in Brazil. But when I had the steak in Brazil, it tasted better than the steak that I had in Argentina. And I just think that they, one, I did learn when I was in Argentina, I was in Buenos Aires. I learned that they're not allowed to cook with salt there because they have in restaurants, they're not allowed to use salt. You can have table salt, but they don't cook with it because I think it's because they have a big hypertension issue. So that would explain why I thought the steaks, even though I've heard legendary things about the beef in Argentina, didn't quite live up to my expectation. But when I went to Brazil in Sao Paulo, when they cooked the Argentinian beef, 
It was phenomenal. And then they also served Argentinian wine, which isn't very far away. So like the, the wine was great. The food was great. So I would say the single meal that I remember the most was that one. So the dietitian in me thinks it's really interesting that in Argentina, I guess it's a national law. No, I think it's Buenos Aires, I would say. Or Buenos Aires. Yeah. So I think it's a city thing. I don't know if it's a national thing. Okay. So a citywide ruling that you yeah. can't cook with salt. Right. And I, it makes me think about a couple of years ago, right, in New York City when they wanted to like charge a tax on soda, and that caused a whole big hubbub. Do you think here in America we would ever be able to implement something like that? I think the health issue would have to be, well, not that we don't have big health issues here, but like, I don't think so. I think people would, you know, they want their Big Macs, they want their fries, they want their big sodas. So I don't think anything like that would ever fly here. But you never know. But it would be I think it would be much harder here in the state. Keep in mind, heart disease is the number one killer. All right. So we talked about the best wine you have was Argentina. Did you actually have any cocktails? I would say it's less cocktails and, you know, because, okay, so yes, I went around the world and stuff like that, but I'm, it's all business dinners. And so, you know, what goes well with, you know, your meal is usually a bottle of wine. And I think you called me a, a wine snob before, but I'll, I prefer the word, the term wine enthusiast. So that actually transcends into my work life as well, where once we sit down and the wine list comes out, Everybody hands me the wine list, looks at me and makes me pick the wine. So like and a lot of the people that I'm traveling with enjoy wine. So, you know, there might be a beer drinker here or there that's going to get their beer. A lot of times, you know, we're going out in the middle of the week. So the restaurants aren't necessarily booked to capacity. We rarely need like a reservation or we have a reservation and we're just going to get in. So it's not like we have to go up to the, you know, if you go on a Friday, Saturday night, you have to go up to the bar and get a cocktail first before you sit down and then you're, you get your wine with your meal. We're right in. So I can't really say that I had a whole lot of cocktails. Actually, ironically, the only one I can think of off the top of my head was probably in Russia. And I couldn't even tell you what it was that I had. I just remember sitting down and because there was only a couple of us. And I think it was, you know, after all the traveling, we were all wiped out. And it was like, okay, so not everybody's going to be having wine or maybe just a glass. So it's like, okay, I had a cocktail just to mix it up. Vodka? <laughs> I don't even think it had vodka, but the two or three, however many dinners I had while I was there, every meal had at least two shots of vodka. So did you find that in other countries that people were spending more time eating? Cause that's, and I have to, in full disclosure, I do not travel around the world. So my knowledge of dining out is really here in the States where we tend to be very rushed. And this is overall... In general, I think the statistic is like in a full day, we typically spend 47 minutes eating. But in other countries, they say like, you know, these meals can spread out over two, three hours. Yeah, that's what I, I found that to be pretty universally true everywhere outside of the state. So, yeah, dinner would take two or three hours. So even if, uh, you know, we had meetings until like six o'clock at night. You know, we have a we're going right to dinner at seven. So basically going up to the hotel, dropping things off and then going right back out to dinner. But like I wouldn't get back to the hotel room until after 10 a lot of times. And so then then it was like maybe pumping out some work and then going right to bed and getting ready for the next day. So, yeah, dinner took two, three hours. I think what's interesting, one of the more interesting things was in Argentina. Restaurants didn't even open for dinner until like seven o'clock at night because they have such a later, more relaxed culture. But yeah, it was interesting. And it's not because necessarily there's more food or anything like that. It's just more relaxed, you know, like 
you might only have your appetizer and dinner and maybe a dessert or something like that. And not that I was eating like that every single night, but, you know, it wasn't that you were having more food. It was that you were eating the same amount just over a longer period of time. And for me, as an American and somebody who spends a lot of time dining in the, let's say, the New York City area where things are very rushed, I could have had probably more wine had they been more on top of the ball and like getting things to us more quickly. Because I remember like, you know, maybe, you know, two or three bottles amongst the crew that we were dining with. And that could have been four easily if I had somebody like right on top of it, because I I think there were a few times where, we're, you know, our glasses were a little empty, but they just everywhere else around the world, it seemed to be much more relaxed in terms of dining and, and the amount of time you take. Yeah, that's something really interesting that I've read a lot is that, you know, again, thinking about food, I mean, it's something that it's not just a necessary thing we have to do, but especially when you're going out, it's an experience and it's about the people that you're with and really taking the time to enjoy it. So that's something that we definitely noticed here in America is that for us, sometimes food just becomes like a necessary evil. Like, oh shoot, I have to eat today. Yeah, sure. I can see that. Yep. All right. So you talked about the awesome stuff. Let's mm-hmm. go on to like the wah-wah. Like what was like the worst or disappointing food? So hands down, the first of all, I had amazing food all over the world. So get out there and explore and and try different things. But and I would say when I was so Russia had the least interesting food to me and United Kingdom would probably be number two on that list. But at least I found some decent meals. Russia was the only place where at lunchtime the one day, you know, lunch is served. And I, you know, kind of got the one or two things that I thought I could that looked appetizing. Everything else just kind of you know, I'd already had a meal or two there. So I was like, okay, I know what to expect out of the food there. And basically I ate those one or two things. It was not quite what I would call a meal. And I had a snack bar for lunch after that. So that was definitely the least interesting food. So do you remember, like, was it like sandwiches? Was it something more like a buffet no, it was, type it, thing? Yeah, I mean, it was a buffet style. So I think I had like rabbit cakes or something like that, which were pretty decent. But like the goulash of vegetables that they were serving just looked bland and not interesting at all. And I don't remember what else there was there, but it just at that point, I knew enough about the food there that I was like, I know where this is going. I'm not going to have a great meal. And so I just kind of picked at some a couple things and then got a, a snack bar or two for the rest of the afternoon. And what was the weirdest thing that you say you ate? <laughs> In Shanghai, I ate jellyfish. I think it was cooked. I think it was grilled or something like that. Um, it was actually it looked like a ribbon. So it almost like a ribbon of pasta, but it, it didn't have much flavor. It was really more a vehicle for whatever sauce I guess it came with or whatever, but that eating jellyfish was anything I ate in Shanghai other than like a bowl of noodles was like weird and interesting, but good. So with the jellyfish, would you say, cause I picture in my head jellyfish, like, like jello, but like a more chewier version of jello. So don't think about it. Like, it's okay. So it wasn't like eating a bowl of jello, like literally a strip of it. Right. And so like, think about something you could pick up with chopsticks Right. Something that's been sliced. Think about what, you know, when the jellyfish dry out on the sand? Yeah. What they look like? Okay. So think about that. They're flat. Right. But like, think about if somebody cut them and then like cooked them. And and if, you know, if that flat disc kind of like started to curl a little bit, but like in a ribbon kind of way, that's more what the jellyfish was like. So like noodly? Like a noodle. Yeah. But with, you know, and it, it did have a chewy texture, like you say, but it wasn't, but it didn't have a lot of flavor to it, which is why I think it was served with the sauce. And it was really just a vehicle to eat the sauce, I think. Interesting. So keep your eyes open to try some jellyfish and uh, you can tell us how it goes. So it sounds like you had some pretty rocking meals, but it sounds like it also had the opportunity to get a little indulgent. 
while you were away. So in addition to the big meals with traveling and different schedules and being all over the place, how does one avoid falling into some of these travel traps when it comes to eating? Yeah, I think for any business traveler or anybody who, let's call it, say, entertains for business, it's easy to get overindulged, as you say, because you're going out to really great restaurants a lot of times, right? And so you want to get like the big steaks all the time. You want to get like all the sides and or whatever, the most fantastic meals. But I think a couple things. One is for me personally, like if I eat like that all the time, I just feel gross. And like, you know, I don't like feeling that. But so like, how do you avoid it? I think you have to kind of like call your shots, right? So like, I think if you only you know, do these things once in a while, then like you probably just go all out all the time, right? You get the steak, you get all the sides, or you get the big, huge meals, you get dessert with every meal or something like that. And But if you're doing it a lot, like I did over that, you know, kind of a 13 week period, I was in a lot of different countries, you start to like figure out, okay, I can't eat like this every night or every day, you start to think of like, okay, well, maybe tonight I'll have a smaller meal or dish or, you know, I had a steak last night, I'm going to have something, you know, more vegetable based or like, you know, just not as big tonight sort of thing. So that's one way to do it. You know, for me, as I was, you know, flying around, I was taking international flights where they'll feed you twice on the plane for any like seven or eight hour flight. So you're taking off, you might have dinner, and then you land in, in the morning in a, another country and they're serving you breakfast before you even get off the plane. So you kind of have to like think about, okay, you know, what do I really need to eat? You know, what's kind of overboard? And they're going to serve you like the whole house, right? So if you're doing this all the time or a lot, or even if you're just doing it once and you just don't want to go overboard, you know, kind of plan out like, okay, I'm only going to have like the salad. I'm going to have a little bit of the main course. And then I'll have the fruit plate in the morning when we land, things like that you can kind of cut back on. So do you know in advance how many meals you're going to be served on a flight? I mean, I can. it's usually if any flight that's like anywhere from like six, seven, eight hours and beyond, I know I'm going to eat twice on the plane or at least they're going to serve food twice on the plane. And you can kind of plan accordingly what you're going to have. Yeah. And when. Yeah. I mean, every any flight, any international flight like that, not to sound snobbish or anything, but I'm, I'm, when I'm flying internationally to and intercontinentally that I'm flying in business class. So they're definitely serving meals. I think they serve meals in economy, too. But like um, so just to put it in perspective, they're serving some food there. I know I'm at least having the one meal. Right. And if they're sh- serving a second meal, I call the shots. You know, I can say whether I want it or not. So there are times like maybe on the longer flights, I'll get like when they're serving the omelet, I'll get the omelet. But if it's a shorter flight and I feel like I've just had dinner and took a like a nap and now they're going to serve me food again, I might just go, hey, can you just give me the fruit or the fruit and the yogurt, something like that. All right. So you definitely have learned how to pace yourself through all this travel. You have to. I mean, for me, I have to. Right. Yeah. Again, I just don't want to feel gross when I'm doing a lot of this stuff. And, and a lot of time I have to be on my game. And some of the, a lot of these days I'm presenting too. So like, I kind of have to figure out, okay, I don't want to feel gross when I present. A lot of times I'm present, I get the lucky time slot of being one of the people who presents in the afternoon. Oh, like the post lunch. Yeah. So oh. the post lunch. So I actually bring snacks and like give the people I'm presenting to snacks 
to keep the energy going. And I try to be a little bit more engaging during the presentation. But like for when I have lunch, I'm not like loading up on super carbs and like a big meal. A lot of times I'm just taking it easy. I'm, you know, maybe having a little bit more. I'm not a big salad person, as you know, but I will voluntarily have salads depending on where, you know, country I'm in. Some places you don't really want to eat the raw vegetables as much. But given that if it's a safer environment, I'll have a salad for lunch or something like that, as opposed to what I would traditionally eat because I just don't want to feel gross or groggy or heavy and all of those things when I'm presenting. So I'm thinking back to my days when I worked at the advertising agencies. And even now when I do a lot of my corporate wellness work and at meetings, especially when we had guests coming from a big client or an international client, like we would be trying to like roll the red carpet out and we'd have these like bigger, probably more elaborate lunch than just like your traditional sandwich and cookie platter that we would get for a normal meeting. Did you find that at some of these places that you're at that how their lunches? Yeah, it varied a lot. of I think more often than not, the, the red carpet would get rolled out, right? Because we're coming from the global team, from the corporate headquarters, and they want to, you know, make a good impression and those sorts of things. So yeah, like lunch can get kind of elaborate sometimes. Other times it was more reasonable. So it, it depended on where we were and or like maybe even the same place one day it was like a huge lunch and the next day it was like, all right, well, let's pull it back a little bit and do more like a boxed lunch sort of thing with sandwiches or salads and things like that. So it, it definitely varied. But again, there was definitely the opportunity to overindulge even in the meetings because of you know, you have your morning snack, you have your lunch, you have their afternoon snack. And there's always, like you said, the cookies, you know, there's always treats of some sort around. So yeah, there were at every turn, whether it was the on the planes, in the lounges, you know, you wake up in the morning and you get you have your breakfast and then everything associated with the meeting after the meeting, every twist and turn, every meal you can possibly have the temptations. They're all there. They're all there for you to take. Right. It's up to you to decide when you're going to let yourself. OK, I, you know, the days after I present it. OK, now I'm going to have the big meal. Right. The big dinner for I'm presenting. I'm going to go a little lighter and things like that. So you kind of have to figure out for yourself what works for you. Yeah, like we would always do like the two thirty, three o'clock uh, cookie and coffee break because I think people thought we used to call it the sugar shock of trying to get people like perked up because again, it's that like three o'clock witching hour where you start to get tired and droopy because you ate lunch. You may have had a bigger lunch, which is going to cause you to feel a little bit more tired and sluggish. That's just how your metabolism works. So and then we would try to counteract that by giving you a whole bunch of cookies and caffeine to make you perk up so you can power through for that rest of the meeting. Did you find that that was pretty universal from all the places you went? Yeah, I mean, and it would vary. Again, you're going from one country to another. So they're all have their nuances. They all have something a little bit different. But yeah, you know, there's different versions. So like in Brazil, they were big on their coffee breaks for sure. And it was a break. It wasn't like, hey, guys, there's snacks, go get some snacks and like come back. It was like, no, we're taking a break for like 20 minutes to drink coffee and they're a very social bunch. So it's hard to like get them back to their seats and, and things like that. You know, there were always, like I said, some sort of temptation, whether it was cookies, you know, whatever local pastries or things like that, that they might be serving or snacks. But then there would be almost everywhere I went. I can't think of any place where I went where we didn't have like fruit was also offered, right? Where water wasn't the staple beverage. Or, you know, I could get water everywhere. You know, maybe some of the places we had, there were sodas available. I never really touched the sodas. I went more for the coffee for the afternoons. But uh, yeah, water, fruits, they were there too, along with, the uh, you know, more indulgent 
offerings, I would say. I also thought it was interesting you told me on the plane that you could get an ice cream sundae. Again, I'm used to traveling in coach, so I'm lucky if I get a meal. So I'm pretty fascinated hearing all about like the wonders of what happens behind the curtain of business class. And now I'm even more jealous. So you can get ice cream yeah. sundaes. Yeah, you can. It's a build your own ice cream sundae. Now, you don't actually do any work, of course. It's you crazy. Know, the flight attendant builds it for you, but you basically they have literally all the toppings. So and it's a huge scoop of like haagen or some ice cream like that. So and it's like the size of a baseball. And if you want hot fudge, OK, got it. Hot fudge. You want Jimmy's? You got sprinkles. Jimmy's. They're Jimmy's. The Oh, yeah, you can get sprinkles. Sprinkles. Too. No, 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 the other things are sprinkles. All right. So side note, <laughs> if you say sprinkles or Jimmy's, give us a shout and let us know what is your term for it? Because in uh, my region of Jersey, they're sprinkles. There are sprinkles. Yeah, they're not those oblong shaped things. Though. Those are Jimmy's. Hashtag Jimmy's Nation. No, in your backwoods, South Jersey, Philly area, that term just doesn't fly. No, that's exactly where it flies, is uh, in the Philadelphia area. We call them Jimmy. So anyway, All right, so after I get my hot fudge and sprinkles. You can get anything you want. You want the whipped cream. You want the cherry on top. You build your own sundae, whatever you want. They've got it. It's in this little cart, you know, just like one of those little carts that you see, the beverage cart. They've got one that's like the sundae cart, basically. And you can get anything you want on your uh, Haagen-Dazs ice cream. That sounds magical and magically indulgent. So how does one add some fitness and movement into all these meals and long time sitting on a plane? How do you get the body up and running? Yeah, moving? yeah. That, so for me, it's going to probably be different than some other people. But for and again, that's up to you to figure out. I'm not much of a runner as much as into fitness as I am. That's not really part of my repertoire. I did travel with people that did. I did travel with people who would go for the morning run. And then like knowing that I'm into fitness would invite me and I'd be like, no, nah, thanks, bro. But for me, there's always a gym, you know, like we're staying in, you know, Hilton, Marriott, you know, Starwood, the big American chains. They all have some sort of hotel, so some sort of gym. And so for me, you know, whether it's a quick blast on the cardio machine or doing some work with the weights, you just have to make the time because, again, it's really easy to get in a rut because I'm literally starting. You know, and this isn't similar for a lot of business travelers. You're starting at like 7 a.m. with breakfast, you know, talking about the meeting that you're about to have or whatever. And then you go through the meeting and you might not finish until six o'clock at night. And then you're going to dinner and you're not finishing that until 10 o'clock at night, like I said. So like when you sleep and you're probably doing some work too at those late night hours, or at least I am in those early morning hours. So you just gotta make a conscious effort to fit it in and go, okay, I am waking up at this time, whatever it is, 5.45, 6 o'clock. I'm gonna get a 30 minute workout in. You know, not everything needs to be an hour long. I know we're used to, like if you're someone who goes to the gym and spends an hour or you're used to taking classes like a yoga class or CrossFit or anything like that, you're used to having like an hour long class. It doesn't need to be that long. In fact, you don't even need the gym. I've even brought my jump rope with me. And I know it sounds weird to be doing jump rope in your hotel room because doesn't the person below you hear you? But they don't because, like, well, there's carpeting, but those hotels are built like tanks, right? So, like, you really don't hear a whole lot that's going on above you unless there's some serious action and furniture moving, let's call it. So, like, I've even done workouts in my hotel room and just simple things, push-ups, squats. Like I said, jump rope. You could do some abs. You could do jumping jacks. You don't even need a jump rope. So, like, I've done that in the hotel room for, like, a 20, 30-minute just blast as I'm, like, catching up in the morning news or something like that. So there's ways to do it. You just have to make it a priority and decide, I'm doing it. I'm working out. It's not necessarily every day, but if I can at least move every other day, something like that, then it, I don't feel like 
I've been a slug the entire time. Yeah. And to your point, like I love hit high intensity interval training workouts, these very efficient workouts where they're 15 minutes, but you're moving these large muscle groups at once and you're adding in the cardio, the strength training, sometimes a little stretching in with it. And I tell my clients all the time, I mean, you don't have to go there. I actually just try and discourage them from going to the gym for an hour, two hours, because a lot of times what's happening is you're doing these very isolated movements and it's just not efficient. And it's boring. Okay. So I don't like running. I'm also not going to be found on the bike for an hour or, you know, one of those, I haven't been on an elliptical machine in like, I don't know, a couple decades. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's finding what works for you and what you, and I'll say this all the time, you have to find what works for you and what fits into your schedule and your life and your interests. But, you know, I do try to share with folks different types of workouts. So on my YouTube channel, I do have some hit workouts and uh, I think you might be inspiring me. I might have to post some hotel hit workouts for folks who are traveling to do and maybe even a little airplane yoga as well things you can do on your oh yeah you're gonna be that weirdo in the middle of the aisles doing yoga no not (laughs) even in your seat there's things you can do and the things you can do in little old coach and big fancy pants business class as well (laughs) all right so overall what advice would you give to somebody when it comes to staying on track while traveling? It's up to you. You just have to make it a priority. Just the same thing as working out. It's easy to say, ah, well, you know, you can make up all the excuses in the world for why you can't work out today while you're traveling for business. And you can make all the excuses in the world why it's so impossible for you to stay on track when you're being fed twice on the plane on an international trip or you're flying, let's say domestically, you get a meal on the plane or at the airport. You just have to like make it, okay, I'm not, there's going to be times when there are no choices and you have to eat what's in front of you and you just got to go with it. But when you do have the choices and you do have more control over what you can eat, then you just have to say to yourself, okay, you know, I've got a lot of these meals. Not every meal has to be indulgent. Not every meal I have to eat like I've never been out to a restaurant before. You can. They don't all have to be the last supper. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, if you do this once or twice, then like, you know, okay, it is the last supper for you. But if you're doing it often or on a regular basis, then you have to treat it a little differently. And I think we we know some people that do a lot of business travel and are eating salads for dinner, you know, instead of having like the big meals and things like that. And everybody's, it's up to you to figure out your own way. But like, you know, don't treat every meal like it's not eating out. You know, it's like the middle of the week. You just have to eat to to sustain. Treat it that way. Right. Yeah. And I've definitely done that for friends where I've gone through and I've picked out menus of places where they typically go. And Mm -hmm. I said, hey, you know what? These are the better choices, especially if this is a restaurant you're frequenting once a week. You don't have to get... The, the Delmonico. The giant <laughs> steak and the, the baked potato and everything. I mean, there's ways you can fit all these in. All right. So while you're out and about traveling the world, let's talk about the person who gets left behind. This little one over here. So there's definitely things on my end that tend to change as well when it comes to nutrition and fitness when I'm by myself. Yeah, you know, you have your things that go on locally, too. And I have to fend for myself a lot of times. Not a lot of times, but often as well. Exactly. We have a term. So I do write out meal plans so that way we do know what we're having for dinner for the week or the month. And I do write in a little term on the calendar on the nights when you do have to fend for yourself. And I call it what? It's called the gentleman's choice. 
Right. So what is a typical gentleman's choice? So that's going to vary on a lot of factors, but like, you know, what have we been eating? What time of year it is? Whether if we've been going out a lot, maybe I don't want to go out anymore. It's been a while since we, you know, so a lot of things, but like, okay, so let's say I'm staying home and I've decided, okay, I get, let's say it's summertime. I'm going to go more like, I feel like I've been talking about steak a lot. I don't eat steak a whole lot. Right. So like for me, it's actually a treat. Right. When Um, you go out, it's. Yeah, I don't have it that often because my wife is lovely as she is and into health and fitness and everything. Pork and beef are not staples in our collective diet together, right? So those are two things that I tend to lean toward more often when I go out to eat or when I'm cooking on my own. So I can think of like if I'm cooking at home, let's say it's summertime, I'm going to grill something. I'll get one of my favorite cuts of meat. I'm going to get a ribeye. Or there are some times when I just like a really darn good burger is going to do me well. So uh, go pick up the meat and then make my own burger however I want to make it. So if I'm staying home, I'm going to lean towards the red meats because we have a lot of seafood. You know, from time to time we have the chicken and stuff like that. So I'm not going to make things that like I have all the time. So I do treat it as like kind of a little bit of a treat for myself, but I'm also in control of like how the meal is cooked. I do want to save face and have some sort of salad or vegetable. Because you know I'm going to ask. Right. I know you're going to ask. So I do something, but I do it in my own way with my own twist. And then if I, there are occasions like, you know, every restaurant's got like their special on certain nights of the week or whatever. And sometimes I just don't feel like doing anything. So I might go to a restaurant by myself or probably sit at the bar and, you know, chat it up with the bartender while having like whatever the special is at that restaurant. Yeah. So and that's definitely a big difference when you have your gentleman's choice versus when I'm on my own. And, you know, for me, I don't mind going to an establishment and I'll have a breakfast by myself. I'll have lunch by myself. Something about dinner, I just feel really odd having by myself. If I'm in this area, if I'm traveling, I could care less if I'm having a dinner by myself because again, I have that excuse of I'm on business, I'm traveling. Of course, I'm going to go out to dinner and feed myself. But there's something about being here and on my own where I just feel awkward and weird. And I guess maybe I don't know if it's because if like if I run into somebody and they're going to be like, oh, man, he's by herself. <laughs> Loser. Yeah, I've, I've run, <laughs> locally, I've run into people who see me out by myself and, and a lot because, OK, so like when you go out and about enough in your local area, you're going to get to know whether it's bartenders or waitresses or whatever it is. So like you walk into a restaurant that you frequent, you're going to recognize somebody and they're going to first thing they're going to say is, hey, where's Mandy? Right. Right. Or where's Taco? Right. So like for me, like they ask the question, I'm like, oh, well, she's off. You know, she's doing a networking event. She is doing I'm trying to think of like a workshop. She's meeting with clients late, whatever it is that you're doing. And that's fine. So like, OK, then OK. Yeah, I'm just getting dinner on my own. Uh, so for me, I don't feel as awkward, but I guess for you, it's a little bit different. So it's different for everybody. Yeah. You know, I think it's weird. And even that when I'm traveling as a woman, sometimes I just feel like I have to be a little bit more aware of my surroundings and like what's going on. You better be. Right. Because and, you know, again, if I'm traveling and I'm in a place I don't know as well, like I just want to know, like, who's around me, who's watching me, who's taking note if I'm by myself and Again, I, it's different as a woman. You have to be more aware of things and, you know, be more careful. Yeah. So I think in people's minds, when they know that I'm away and like, for example, when I went away to yoga training, I was gone for 10 days. And I think in people's minds, they just think that you're sitting on the couch. I think they think you're naked for some reason. Like, oh, he's sitting on the couch. He's naked and just eating like a ton of meat. They're like, oh, he's getting his meat fill because Mandy's yeah. not home. When we worked at the I think you did one of those when we were working at the kickboxing gym and. 
And literally, I think some of whether it was, you know, people who worked at the gym or people who came to the gym brought me food as if like I was going to be totally on my own and had no like options and like couldn't fend for myself or something. So I to all the people who provided me food, thank you very much. All of your food was delicious and I enjoyed it thoroughly. But yeah, if I'm a, listen, I used to live by myself. I lived by myself as a bachelor for quite a few years. So I figured out how to like cook for myself, when I should go and, you know, order food out. We've talked about that in a prior podcast. So I'm pretty good at, you know, fending for myself. But yeah, it's an interesting, I picked up on that when we were at the at that gym that people are like, what are you going to do? Oh my God. Yeah, I do find that very interesting. And I'm like, my husband worked, like lived by himself for a very long time. He can fend for himself. What was also funny was at my bridal shower, they did one of those like him and her or like newlywed games. Like what was his answer and how well do we know each other? And one of the questions asked was, if Taco is home by himself and he has to have dinner, what would he do or what would he make for himself? And my response was, I'm pretty sure that everyone thinks he would make a steak of some sort, but I'm going to be realistic and know if he got home late at night, most likely he's probably making a peanut butter and jelly or a tuna fish sandwich. Yeah. And I nailed it. (laughs) You did nail it. I think my specific response was peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That was also a point in time because I think at that time I was coming home late. I was going to the gym late. And so if I hadn't eaten before going to and I don't like eating before going to the gym. So if I was getting like after the gym, like nine o'clock or later, I'm not making a meal. <laughs> I'm just making something to, to like eat. So like a lot at that point in time, peanut butter jelly sandwich definitely ruled my dinner diet if I was getting home late like that. I can't tell you the last time I've had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for dinner. Like it's been a very long time. My answer now would be very different. But at that time, and you you did know that, my answer was peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. So on my end, when I'm on my own for you know, especially while you're traveling in these long periods of time. I mean, I would say things definitely change for me in my fitness as well as my eating habits. I would say what's interesting I find for me is my fitness actually tends to increase. And I think it's just a matter of boredom. And I know it's something I can do if you're not around. So I'll go to my usual yoga class in the morning, but then I find later in the day, and sometimes this can be very weather dependent. If it's a nice day, like I'll go out on my SUP board. I'll maybe go for a bike ride. I might even go to another yoga class at a different studio and change it up. But there's usually something I even went to your gym while you were away to go work out there. Because again, like it's just something for me to do. And I can do it on my own. And I don't feel I guess, again, that hesitation of being like weird or awkward if I'm off doing something by myself. Plus, I think it just keeps me out of trouble. Otherwise, if I was by myself, I would be like at the mall and I would just start shopping. So it's just better all around. Keeps that I Keeps me off the streets, keep me out of the malls. It's better that way. And I do find that my eating habits definitely get funky as well, especially when it comes to dinner time, because like you said, with the peanut butter and jelly, like you don't really have much motivation when you're by yourself. And I'm used to cooking for two people and I'm used to cooking usually enough that we're going to have something for a leftover. So when it's just one person, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't really want to do this. So what do you eat then? Right. And I, with that too, like, I don't really like, 
I'm very weird about ordering out for myself as well, because I find I have a very hard time deciding what I want to order because it's like you have this chance to eat something that you normally wouldn't get to have. And it's like way too much pressure. And then I'm like, oh, why would I spend this much money on something I can make? So I do usually wind up cooking something for myself. I do find when you're away, I tend to experiment more in the vegetarian vegan cooking because it's something I can make and I don't feel bad serving to you. Yeah, because I'm not a big fan of that stuff. Right. And I know that and I respect that. But it's something I like to do. And I like to try different things. I like to play with tofu and tempa and Satan and all these weird words that you have no idea what I'm saying right now. No, it's not Satan. It's not Satan bacon. (laughs) Satan. Uh, So I do like to experiment in that way. But then also, if I'm going to make something, I know your leftover threshold tolerance is a lot higher, lower than mine. Like I don't mind having the same meal several times. So I usually wind up, I might make a meal and I could have it for the next four nights. So if you're gone Monday through Thursday, like I'm fine. It's something I make once I can heat up and I'm good to go with that. Yeah, I can't do that. So, I mean, even when I live by myself, it's hard to cook for one person, right? And so you make the one big thing or a batch of something and it can go for three or four. I mean, two, I'm fine. Like, okay, I had, you know, the meal. Okay, now next night I'll have leftovers. That's fine. If Once it gets into the third night, by the third time I'm like bored, I might even just stop eating. And then there's no way I'm going four nights in a row with the same thing. Forget it. Not happening for me. But that's like, again, it gets back to like, you got to make your own choices for you. All right. What was interesting was you said how now like your gentleman's choice is very different versus what it was back when you were in your bachelor days. Do you ever find that you retreat into some of your single behavior when I'm away or I'm not home for meals? I guess the only thing that would be single behavior that I would say is different now versus then was maybe I did a little bit more takeout back then. And that's not to say that I won't do takeout. It's just I probably did it more when I was living by myself. I haven't fallen back into that. You also don't tend to be away for the 10 days. That doesn't happen very often. So no, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm falling in. And like, again, that when we talk about peanut butter jelly sandwiches for dinner, that was a very specific moment in time driven by a lot of different factors when I was, you know, my commute time, when I was getting home, after the gym. So like, I'm not in that place anymore. So like, I'm not falling back onto peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for dinner because I'm not getting home that late at night. So I don't find myself falling back on kind of old habits, not that they were bad. I was thinking about it and I'm like, I never actually officially ever lived by myself. I either had roommates or I had two older, cooler roommates. Your parents. Bud and Carol, yes. <laughs> but I never actually had lived by myself. And even though I had roommates where sometimes we were fending for ourselves, like there was always still somebody around. So I never really felt like, oh, I should do something different or anything. So I was thinking back to that. I'm like, when you're gone, I'm like, probably like the biggest thing I do is, and this is like super naughty, but like I eat in front of the TV and I don't like doing that. I like to sit at the table, but I'm bored. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to sit at the table all by yourself? Does that make you feel lonely? Not really, but it's kind of just like, yeah, I want to like pass the time. Plus, I get to take advantage of the fact I get to watch the big TV and I can watch whatever girly nonsense I want to. And you can't say anything about it. That's I mean, hey, TV rules more my world than yours. And I'm watching sports when I'm home. So, you know, that's just what happens. But don't worry, it won't be the big TV for long. All right. So what is some advice that you would give to maybe some of the people, I don't know if I want to say dudes particularly, but while the other person is away and you're dining solo? 
I mean, it's where, what's your comfort level? So if you're not comfortable, like you, right? If you're not comfortable going out on your own in your own area, then don't do that, right? So like, you know, take it as an opportunity to do something for yourself, right? So if you like experimenting with Tempa and Satan and whatever else. You almost said them all right. Good job, babe. Then do that. For me, I like grilling meats and steaks and things like that that I don't get to have on a regular basis. That's how I do it. So whatever your version of, ooh, I get to do something different or I get to do something that I want to do, take that opportunity to do what you want to do and have what you want to have. But like, you know, if it's going to be multiple days in a row too, don't go crazy. So like if you're gone or if you have in a given week, if you tell me like there's two nights that I'm going to be on my own for dinner, well, I'm not going to have like a huge meal out at one of our local restaurants both of those nights. I'm going to try to, you know, balance it out. So maybe one I will and maybe one I'll cook at home or something like that. So, you know, think about it. Be thoughtful about how you're eating, but also use it as an opportunity to treat yourself somehow. I agree. I mean, I think that time away is I'm a big believer in some me time and having that time away is definitely good. Self-care is something, again, that I find that we tend to be a little lacking on because we do have this very high paced society that we live in and we work in. We're always doing something for somebody else, always doing something together. So sometimes it is really nice to have that time of stepping back and thinking about, like I said, like, what do I like to have when you're not home that I never get to have? And it's nice to have that. But then it's also a nice reminder that when we are together and having a meal that, hey, it's nice to sit at the table and have a nice meal and conversation with my significant other. You got it. That was pretty funky. What was that? You know, we're going into the present and we're talking a little bit about today, about where you've been. And, you know, we've kind of joked a little bit about you being a spy. So I thought (laughs) thought a little spy music would be appropriate to transition into. You know, if I uh, was a spy, you really shouldn't joke about it. You also shouldn't be on the podcast if you were a spy. That would probably be true, too. Yeah, I got to keep a low profile. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not a spy, people. But I'll take the spy music. That was pretty cool. I liked it. You like it? Yeah, let's go. All right. So when we left off, you mentioned that Russia was the last place you had been to. Yep. Okay. And since that time, where else have we been, Taco? (laughs) So the international destinations included Mexico City, Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. I went to Tokyo, to Paris, and then to a little town in Switzerland called Zug. And I think that covers it. I took a break and kept it domestic and went to Chicago once, too. Yeah, oh, you know, you got to spread the love. Yeah, I got to keep the domestic uh, thing going, too. So given that you've essentially doubled your list this year <laughs> with all these places that you've been, we talked a lot about what you've eaten, yeah. where you've been to, where you visited. You know, you mentioned that the best meal that you had was Brazil, where you had an Argentinian steak and Argentinian wine. Yeah, that was kind of strange, but it was true. That was probably the best meal at the time, but now I'm going to have to update. Okay. Yeah. You could just take anything I had in Japan, in Tokyo, and use that. But the meal that probably stayed, so two meals that stand out. One, the local office took us out for dinner one night and it was a a really small mom and pop joint. Like the menu was only written in Japanese. They don't speak English. They only speak Japanese. So they never serve foreigners there. And it's also so small, they never serve large parties. And so we were like 15 people or so. And so somehow one of our local contacts convinced them to take a large group, including foreigners and serve us. 
And the food was fantastic. Were you the only people in the restaurant? Like, was it that? No, I mean, we closed. We were like 50 or 60% of the people in the restaurant. You know, the the rest of the parties were all like couples. And it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday night or whatever. So it wasn't like, you know, slammed. But the food was phenomenal. I mean, I was looking back at some pictures and just the sushi platter alone that I had was amazing. It had anchovies on it. So I had sushi anchovies. That sounds terrible. Well, if you don't like anchovies, I guess. Now, if you're used to really salty anchovies, they weren't, they were actually very mild, the flavor. So that was pretty awesome. Everything in that meal, I mean, there was, I can't even think there was baby squid and things like that that were just great. Another one of the meals that I had on that particular trip, a colleague and I decided that we needed to go down to the fish market. And we tried to go to like the bidding and all that. We missed out on that. But we went to one of the local restaurants right next to the fish market. And it's like world renowned Tokyo. I forget the name of it. Actually, the name of it is basically fish market in Japanese. So I come unprepared. I forget what the name is. But if you Google it, you'll get there. And we got sushi at like 6 a.m. And we each had a tuna sampler. They had like three kinds of tuna, including fatty tuna. And then there was like some hybrid tuna. I don't know what it was. But like that sushi was like the best sushi I have ever had in my entire life. So like, you watch this guy like take comes from the boat. You comes, watch the guy like pick up a fish. Yeah. Cut it, serve it to you. Yeah, basically. I didn't see it come from the boat, but I saw it laying there. And then, you, all right, let's go to work. And goes starts cutting it up and serves two of each of the three different kinds of tuna. And each one of the tuna was better than the last one. Each one was the best one I've ever had. How have you gone back to having tuna sushi here? I haven't really, to be honest with you. (laughs) It ruined you. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, like, unless we go to a really nice, like, there's a place nearby in Esri Park that we like to go to, and I could probably handle it. I really haven't eaten a whole lot of sushi since then. Once you've had the best sushi in the world. It's hard to go back. It's hard to go back, yeah. Time to go back. Now, you also went to something in Tokyo called the Robot Show. I went to the Robot Show. If you don't know what this is, Google that. And it's an attack on your senses, basically. Like, this show literally comes all the way up to you. So I was sitting at a table, and the table is a glorified, like, railing basically, where you could fit like your beer on it. And like the props and the cast members basically come all the way up to the front. And I was in the front row, come all the way up. And it's like lights and music and weirdness and copyright infringement. (laughs) I mean, like, I don't know how they get away with some of this stuff. Like, I think I saw a Teenage Ninja Turtle shoot a machine gun at Shredder or something like that. I don't know what I was watching. You sent me a video and it was like Rainbow Bright. Oh, God. Yeah, I think there was like a Teenage Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. And they're all like jamming to Uptown Funk. Yeah. So I don't know. Apparently copyright laws in that part of Tokyo do not apply. If Disney or any of the other organizations are listening to this podcast, forget I said anything, but I'm pretty sure it's not a secret. I don't think it's a secret. Yeah, it can't be. But uh, I didn't eat at that, although that was an option. But that was uh, probably one of the most entertaining things I've done on any of my trips. That was one of the things. Whenever anyone I've known has been to Tokyo or is going, like that's the first recommendation everybody says is you have to go to the robot show. Well, I'm glad I listened to those people. I'm glad you did. Now, you mentioned that I believe it was Russia was your your worst meal. The lunch, yeah, that one lunch I could not eat. It was that bad. So that still stands. Does that still stand? That still stands. Nobody's trumped that, thankfully. Wow. How about weirdest meal? 
there's plenty of weird things to eat in Japan. And I think, you know, I probably ate a few of them, but I think, what was it, Shanghai? Shanghai、uh, with the jellyfish, yeah. Yeah, that meal. I mean, that was both equally fabulous and weird at the same time. All the things I had, but the jellyfish, having like little ribbons of jellyfish was、uh, pretty weird. That sounds pretty awesome. And among all of these trips. Yes. I got to go on one. You got to come out and visit me, visit me, hang out with me after hours in Dubai when、yes. we were done. We took a little vacation there. I took my first transatlantic trip. Yep. And I went we, to Dubai. When you go, you is, go big. Which is the perfect place for a blonde haired, blue eyed girl <laughs> to be. Actually, you know, we joke, but they could not have been more friendly to us there. Yeah. I mean, whatever you've read or heard, you know, talk to somebody who's actually been there. That's all I got to say, because it was a fantastic place. We didn't run into any Americans. We ran into lots of British people, lots of Australians. A lot of Australians. But no Americans. And maybe they like it that way. I don't think so. They'll take your money no matter what nationality、Happily. you are. And then as long as you go home. <laughs> so that was a pretty cool trip. And I think Taco and I are going to do a separate podcast episode just all about. We did Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And if you're thinking about maybe doing a little exotic traveling, we'll give you some tips of what to do and what to check out. What to eat? What to eat, definitely. Oh, man. There's some good eating there. Absolutely. And what to do. And we'll make that one available to our Patreon supporters. So we'll do a, a special Dubai episode for our. Patrons. You want, that's worth the price of admission. You want to pay for that one. Become、yeah. a Patreon just to hear about Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Yeah, that was a cool trip. If I'm going to finally get to tag on to one of these trips, I picked a good you one. You picked a good one. Well, out of all these places, if, what would you say are like the top three places like you shouldn't miss? If anyone、oh, has the opportunity、man. to go to any of these well, spots. Well, okay, let me put it this way. We've been talking about doing a big vacation. And I think on the list of big vacations are doing something like Australia and New Zealand. So that would be number one on my list. Or not number one, one of three. Another option would be doing like a Japan and China trip combined, like a big, you know, two weeks, kind of doing both places. So that would be two of three. And then what's the third? Oh, the third one would be like a Morocco and South Africa. Now, I haven't been to Morocco, but like that would be kind of an add on to a South Africa trip. Again, like kind of doing two weeks there. I would say that would be the third out of three. No particular order. I can't possibly rank them, but like those three things. And if you wanted to boil it down to South Africa, Japan, Shanghai, and to Sydney, those would be the three I think that I would say top of the list. Top of the list, don't miss. Yeah. Wow. If you need any more travel advice from Taco, you can hit us up at podcast at nutritionnuptials.com. He is just a man of mystery. I mean, you're a fantasy football expert, you're a travel expert. <laughs> Sometimes he actually does his real job as well. <laughs> Which is a mystery still, right? We haven't talked about that. We haven't. Okay, good. Yeah, you're、I'm、like Chandler.、Allowed. I'm not allowed to talk about it. You're like Chandler. It's just an ongoing mystery. What does Taco actually do?、Mm -hmm. uh, some of my very good friends still don't know. They ask every time we see them, what do you do for work? <laughs> I have fun. Yeah. Well, Thanks everyone so much for tuning into another episode of the Nutrition Nuptials podcast. As always, you can follow the antics of Taco and Mandy over on Instagram at hashtag Adventures of Taco and Mandy. And you might even maybe find、uh, some stuff from Dubai over there. Yeah, and or some new travel ideas,、uh, you know, wonderful sunset over the Swiss mountains. Who knows? Who knows? And you can always follow my social handles for nutrition related advice, fitness advice, as well. Well, as pictures of Taco and Mandy being Taco and Mandy, you can find me at Mandy Enright 
rd over on facebook twitter instagram pinterest and youtube if you have a couple's nutrition related story or question email podcast at nutritionnuptials.com for more ways you can get your nutrition and fitness acts together with your significant other head over to the blog that started it all nutritionnuptials.com if you are enjoying the show and you want to help other people find out about the show first and foremost you can help support us by heading over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and just give us a quick rating. We love five stars. It's our favorite. And just drop us a quick review because when you leave a review, it helps other people learn a little bit more about the show. And it also helps us to pop up a little bit more in searches, which we always love because we want people to find us. And you can also become a extra special show supporter by heading over to patreon.com slash nutrition nuptials and becoming a Patreon supporter. When you become a supporter, we start as low as a dollar level a month. It goes up to a dollar, five dollars, and ten dollar levels. You get access to our VIP after party Facebook group, Ask a Dietitian Facebook Lives, discounts, offers, giveaways, and a whole lot more. So head over to patreon.com, I should say, slash nutrition nuptials and become a show VIP. And now you get pod, like special podcasts that nobody else can get too. Mm-hmm. With uh, travel advice. Travel advice. Yeah. Yeah. This is becoming a good deal. Yeah. Got stuff I would pay for. You should. All right. Well, Taco, I'd say all of our work here is done. I agree. You've covered the globe. Yeah. Just Six about. continents, about 14 different countries. Yeah. Any Antarctica trips coming up? I don't think we have an office there. So pass. Also, I don't like the cold. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Okay. So well, good. let me know next time you have a warm place to go and we'll pick our next trip. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, until next time, thanks so much for saying I do to your happily, healthfully ever after with Taco and Mandy. Adios, amigos. Adios.